It's amazing to me how many people desire to grow in their walk with God, regardless of where they are in the journey. So they ask for more faith. Many people pray for it. Other people say, if I come to church, maybe I'll just serendipitously get it. However, the scripture is very clear about how we get more faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God as Romans chapter 10 verse 17 reminds us. So our prayer for you as you hear this message is that your faith would go from where it is to where God intends it to be. Grow as you hear this word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One of the one of the joys and one of the challenges of being a pastor and leader is that I have to wear two hats yes, sir. on Sunday. I have to lead us and help us move forward in our time together. But then I'm just also a worshiper. And I'm also just a Christian. And I don't know you all if you know this, but if you do, I need you in your own way to just testify of this in your soul. You know, I'm going to preach today about resurrection and about Jesus and him getting up from the grave. It's been historically proven in a lot of ways. It's been even mentioned by people who weren't followers of Christ that it was a occurrence that his body was not found. But more than all of that, I'm just wondering, is there anybody listening to me that knows he lives because he lives in you? Yes, sir. You all, let me just say this to you. You know he lives when you are being carried through moments that you could not carry yourself through. You, you know he lives when everything around you is falling apart, but you're still standing. You know he lives when doctors turn away but you're still here and so you all we know he lives because he lives in us and you all for that you all I pray that we would give him worship and we would give him gratitude so just for a moment before we just move any any further forward in whatever way he lives in you would you just take a moment to just say to Jesus how much you love him how much you thank him, how much you praise him, how much you worship him, how much you adore him, how, how grateful you are that he's with you, that he's in you, that he's alive in you. Would you just tell him that? Put it on your lips. Just a thank you, a hallelujah. God, I'm so grateful on your lips. And God, we thank you again for this Resurrection Sunday. In the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of global upheaval, you're still on the throne. You've kept us. You've never left us. You've walked with us. And you're still walking with us, and we glorify you. And it's in the name that's above others we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. And amen. So grateful to God uh, for this time together. And don't mind me if I cry a lot today, but it's just, he's alive. Hallelujah. Yes, God. Father, we on this Resurrection Sunday pause to say glory to your name. Yes, sir. The name that got up, the name that showed authority over death, hell, and the grave, the name now that is above every name, that at that name, every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus, you are Lord. God, I pause on this day to, to say thank you for grandmothers who knew how to pray. Thank you for mamas who knew how to take us to church when we didn't want to go. 
Thank you that because of what they poured into us, because they chose to not be ashamed of the gospel. Now, we love you because of their seeds that they planted. And God, I pray a prayer on this Easter Sunday that you would empower and raise up a generation that would do the same. In a time, God, where we don't want to make people feel uncomfortable about our religion, in a time that we don't even want our own kids to be uncomfortable, would you help us, God, to not rob them of the future that you gave us through our parents and grandparents who showed us the way? And so, God, we thank you and we praise you. Would you use, would you use technology, God? Would you use these mediums as an opportunity for someone who doesn't know anything, like the little girl in the video, I don't know anything about love. I don't know anything about God. But we not complicated so much that they would not understand Jesus, who you are and what you did. But then for people who do love you, God, would you help us help them to draw closer and deeper in their walk? And God will be so very careful in all that we do to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In the wonderful and majestic name of the resurrected Savior, Jesus, we pray. And all that agree with that said amen. And amen. Come on, give him praise wherever you are. I mean, give him a real one. I mean, a, the best one you know how to give him. Would you do it? <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, uh, I've been trying to be nice. Thank you so much, worship team. And as the worship team is taking their seats, let me just say, some of you never know week to week uh, the challenges that many of them go through. Uh, I was watching one of them. They were kind of getting off the stage, and they looked like having a problem. They said, oh, I just had a head-on collision two weeks ago. I remember several weeks ago, one of our members was uh, worshiping and singing when, it, when she got off the stage. She seemed a bit uncomfortable. She said, well, I can't feel anything on this side of my face. Uh, you know, today, uh, Brandon just shared, you know, just two hours ago, I found out that my grandmother went home to be with the Lord. In the midst of grief, in the midst of accidents, in the midst of loss, the people of God know what to do. They still give God the glory no matter what's going on. Isn't that awesome? And so I want to thank God for our worship team, for our technical people, for all of those, uh, even our website people. Whether you know it or not, we have a web uh, kind of guy who doesn't even, Brian, who's no longer with us here in Detroit, is way out of state, but still handles that. So, so many people that continue to help us do what we do. And for that, you all, we are so grateful. I want to jump right to it because I got a little ways to go here. If you have your Bibles, if you'd open them with me to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 14, Revelation chapter 14. I know it's Easter, and I know you all are trying to figure, well, where's the Easter message? It's in here. Revelation chapter 14 beginning at verse 1, Revelation 14 and 1. Uh, I'm going to be reading from the New International Version, so it might read a little differently than whatever translation you may have. Revelation chapter 14, verse 1 says, Then I looked, and there before me was the Lamb, standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven, like the roar of rushing waters and like a loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of harpists playing their harps. And they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. These are those who did not defile themselves with women, for they remained virgins. They followed the lamb wherever he goes. 
They were purchased from among mankind and offered as first fruits to God and the Lamb. No lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless. Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, fear God, give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. I want to look at verse 6 again. Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the what? The eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth. I want to talk from this subject today on this Resurrection Sunday. Good news, he's risen. Good news, he's risen. You all, you may have heard some of these things over the past several months, uh, but these words have been circling around our society. Fake news. Anybody ever heard about fake news? Fake news. Uh, uh, COVID news. You cannot be any human being anywhere and at some point not get an update as to how many people have been impacted by COVID. Economic news. But some of us have personal ways that news comes to us. Sometimes we get a bad report about health. We have health news. Some of us may have uh, situations with family members and relational news. All of us get news from a lot of places, but rarely is that news good news. So you all, I want to talk today about what the word gospel really means. As a matter of fact, many of you may not know it, but the word gospel in its Greek form, which is what the New Testament was written in, comes from a word called kerygma. And what that literally means, the gospel means good news. And my question is this, if the, listen, if the church has good news, why do we look like we haven't gotten it? Let me say that again. If we are the carriers of good news, if we're the ones who have good news, why, why haven't our faces been notified? <laughs> I, I meet people who are far from God. I meet people who don't have access to good news, don't really have the good news, but they look happy. They seem excited about things. But you want to meet the most depressing group of people? Get around Christians. You ever, wanna, you ever wanna get your feelings just brought down to the dumps? Get around people who supposedly carry the good news. I pray today that as we walk through the text, though, God might help move us in a direction that we would understand the power of the good news. So you all, uh, last week, many of you all uh, may have seen a special message that we prepared. Uh, it was Palm Sunday in the tribulation. We've been talking about the rise now of Satan's uh, kind of representatives in the earth in the future times. And we've talked about the fact that this dragon, right, Satan, would empower an antichrist who would become a political leader, and then right by his side would be a lieutenant, uh, kind of a spiritual leader who would work miracles on behalf of the Antichrist. And so uh, you are in those days, we found out last time, uh, we talked about it, that anybody who did not worship the Antichrist by taking the mark of allegiance or the mark of the beast, if they did not take the mark, they were forbidden to buy and to sell. They, were, they would be persecuted. Many of them would actually lose their lives. So the believing community someday in the future 
When the Antichrist takes over and when the Antichrist is in control, the Bible tells us that those individuals who are believers in Jesus will literally be enemy number one. And so, you all, it's important that we realize that even though we may not be in those end times at the moment, even though we're not at a point where the tribulation we believe is happening right now because the church is still here, the church has not been raptured, we do believe, you all, that there are tremors and that the spirit of the Antichrist is at work and he wants many of us to bow our knee to things that are far from God. So let's look at the text here and see what happened in Revelation 14, because the last thing that we saw in Revelation 13 were the mark of the beast being taken, people uh, having some image speaking, and the image saying you must bow down to the beast. But I want you to see the transition in the chapter 14. I love God and transitions. He says, then I look, and there before me was the Lamb. You all, what I love about God is that in the midst of all hell breaking loose, he'll give you a glimpse of the lamb. Oh, I brought preaching with me today. It, it means that no matter how dark the times are, no matter how difficult the circumstances may be, no matter how much the odds are stacked against us, God will allow his chosen people. God will allow those who have a relationship with him to see the lamb. The Bible says that John, the revelator, was able in the midst of all that was going on, all of the darkness, all of the marks of the beast, he saw the lamb. Now, this is significant because the Bible tells that the Antichrist also called himself the lamb, but he was a wolf in lamb's clothing. But now we're not talking about a fake lamb. We're talking about the lamb of God. And where was he standing, preacher? I'm glad you asked. It says he was standing on Mount Zion. Oh, I got to take, hold on one second. Oh, I'm about to preach for real. All right, here we go. He's standing on Mount Zion because this is the first time, you all, since we've been looking at the book of Revelation. Watch this now. That Jesus has placed his foot back on the earth that he made, which means that the lamb that was slain is now about to come the lamb that is ruling. He's the lamb that will reign. And you all, it's so important to realize that when he stood on Mount Zion, that was a reminder of his covenant-keeping capabilities. He promised that one day he would literally cause the children of Israel to, to not just be in the promised land of the Old Testament, but to actually have the new promised land, which would also be in Jerusalem. Remember the Antichrist took over Jerusalem, renamed it. But the Bible says that Jesus comes down and puts his foot right there on Mount Zion, reminding the enemy that you may have it for a season, but that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. So not only was he standing on Mount Zion, but he wasn't standing there by himself. He had 144,000 people that were with him. And let me just say this real quick, because I often will say this. You know what? At Citadel now, I've had some members tell me, Pastor, I'm so glad. I, I love our church because, you know, if I was at a big church with a lot of people, uh, I wouldn't have no access to you. I just don't want our church to ever grow. I said to myself, uh, I get what you're trying to say, but when, listen, watch this. Whenever Jesus shows up, there's always a crowd. 
Listen, y'all, you, you, cannot, you cannot have, Jesus was trying to mind his own business most of the time, and minding his own business, people were following him. Because where Jesus is, life is. Where Jesus is, miracles are. Where Jesus is, change happens. And I want a church where Jesus is always there. I'm thankful for the worship team. I'm thankful for the tech team. But if Jesus is not in the house, then it don't matter at all. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. And there will be 144 thousand because Jesus was in the midst these 144,000 remember 12,000 from each of the tribes of Israel and the Bible says that these were different from the people we saw in chapter 13 who had the mark of the beast on their heads these were identified watch this now they had his name Jesus's name and his father's name written on their foreheads oh what a testament that in the midst of all that was going on in this crazy upside down world, there were some people who still decided to not love their life so much that they would fear death or fear persecution. But they blatantly portrayed the name of Jesus and the name of God on their foreheads. And I wonder how many of us, God is not asking you to get a, a sharpie and write Jesus on your head, but he's wondering, is Jesus in your heart? He's not asking you to have something on your head so that people can see on the outside who you're connected to, but can they see by your life who you're connected to? They were not ashamed. And because of that, the Bible says, I heard a sound from heaven like the sound of rushing waters. If you've ever been to the ocean and hear the, the magnificence and the power of those waters, it's, it's almost deafening in the, in the loud peal of thunder. At the same time, he heard what sounded like harps playing, and they sang a new song. I love it. Before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn this song except the 144,000. Why? Because during the great tribulation, hallelujah, these are the individuals who chose to not sin and not disobey God, but follow him when everything was against them. No one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. These are those who did what? Did not defile themselves with women, for they remained virgins. The entire time of the tribulation, they chose to not give themselves any relationship but only to the Lord. They followed the Lamb wherever he went. They were purchased from among mankind and offered as first fruits to God and the Lamb. Watch this now. No lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless. You all listen. The Bible doesn't embellish. These 144,000 were foreshadows of the kind of human beings that would walk the earth free and rid of sin. It, they had chosen to live a life completely devoted to God. And God called them blameless. And he says, you know what? These are first fruits. First fruits means they're going to be second and third fruits. These are the first fruits of those who one day will be a part of the future of mankind. And so you all, I'm so grateful for this kind of snapshot that John has given us of Jesus, the Lamb of God, who did not always stay in the grave, but rose. But I want to go to verse 6 because this is what the rest of the message. Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on earth, to every nation, to every tribe, to every language, and to every people. And let me publicly say, uh, Brandon, how grateful I am that you heard me when I talked about the necessity of being agile with our music. 
Because if we want to reach every nation and every people group, we got to have the ability to pivot and pivot to white folk and pivot to black folk and pick up, pivot to young people and pivot to hip hoppers. Are you feeling what I'm saying? And if we only stay in one genre, we limit the net that we can have. Because the gospel, the good news has got to reach every nation, every tribe, everybody who talks a certain way, and every people group. So if the gospel is in the angel's hand, what is the gospel, pastor? I'm so glad that you asked. Uh, What is the gospel? First of all, it's the good news. Turn with me, and I know it's Easter Sunday. Some of y'all don't want to do no work. It's Easter, but, but, but it's Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. I want you to hear what the Bible says about the importance of the gospel, Jesus. And this is why the, the enemy fights churches in evangelism, because this is what it says. All right, so Matthew chapter 24, beginning at verse 19, all right, it says, then you will be, Jesus is talking about what's going to happen in the future. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. You will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. God let us know in the text, Jesus speaking to his disciples about things that would happen in the future. That one day you'll be persecuted. One day people's hearts will turn from me. But he says these words so important. He says, and the gospel or the good news of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then after the gospel has been proclaimed to the whole world, then the end will come. God has connected future time apocalyptic events to the church's response to sharing the gospel. In other words, those of us that want Jesus to come, God, let's make this thing right. He's looking right back at us and saying, would you share with people what I asked you to share with them? You all, there are many people at your job that don't know who Jesus of the Bible is. They know what the world says. They know what their church might have said. They know what some people on TV might say. They don't really understand why people go to church. They don't understand why people love Jesus. They don't understand why people have a saving relationship with God. They have no idea of it. And you all, it is, I, I, it is our responsibility to share this. I, when I grew up in church, you all, as a kid, it was not a problem for Sunday school and for a midweek Bible study because people really want to learn more and more about God. But when I mentioned turning to another scripture other than the one I just met, you're like, oh, he going to read more than one? You know why? Because many of us are weary of not only hearing the gospel, but definitely sharing the gospel. And if God has handed the means for people to get saved into our hands, what are we doing with his commission? Can I tell you something? This is what the Lord must have said. Go ye into all the world and have an anniversary. 
He must have said that because we, we know how to have an anniversary. You're not going you're not going to beat church people. Uh, it's time for the pastor's 38th anniversary, and we need to make sure everybody do their assessments. Oh, we know how to listen. You, he he had to mean go ye into all the world and have a concert. We gotta wear this, and it's gonna be the outfit, and let's get hit some swatches. Rarely have I seen churches excited about going to share the gospel with people that don't know God. But that was not the great request. It was the great commandment, the great commission. He says, I can't come back till you do it. And so uh, if we don't do this, it's on us that we're not seeing the progress that we desire. The gospel, the gospel, the good news. And I know many of y'all still say, okay, so what is the good news? I'm getting to that. Romans chapter 1. And only a few, few chapter verses. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Hallelujah. I'm going to read this from the Amplified. It may read differently than your translation. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. When you know what something is, it changes how you treat it. When you, know, when you know what something, the value of something, it, 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 watch, it, it changes how you treat it. That's why when you raise kids, you let them buy stuff. Because they, they treat it different when they spent the money on it. Don't look at me like that. When, when it's somebody else's money, well, oh, ooh, it bro, oops. When it's theirs, they walk around with gloves, right? Because th- the way a person values something will determine how they handle it. And how they treat it. For I am not, Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed. Watch this now. I'm not afraid of what people might say to me. I'm not afraid of rejection. I'm not afraid that I don't know how to say it right. I'm not afraid that I haven't been formally trained. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Christ. Why? (laughs) For the gospel is God's power. Working unto salvation for deliverance from eternal debt to everyone who believes with a personal trust and a confident surrender and firm reliance to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He says the gospel is the power of God under salvation. I don't know what it is about the gospel, but once you say it, it works because the word is a lie. Unlike my words, my words are not. Lies. I mean, they, they, they're coming from a living thing, but they're not alive. God's words do not return empty. As a matter of fact, he said, my words by themselves are spirit and life. The same way God said, Talithi kumi, damsel arise. Those same words out of his mouth are planted in the Bible. And every time you open your mouth and proclaim what thus saith the Lord, not your opinion or your commentary, you're bringing power on the scene. <laughs> the gospel is the power of God. That's why Billy Graham was so powerful. Wasn't the most uh, spectacular orator. I wasn't really somebody who had these pedigrees and, and, uh, and educational backgrounds, but he preached the gospel. <laughs> and he was preached to uh, people that were dignitaries, and he would preach to people that were artists and in the movie industry. And it didn't matter who they were. He wasn't trying to bring it down to where they were. He brought them up to where the gospel was. And I'm wondering how many of us have been charged to reach those in the arts. 
and those in politics and those in decisions of governance. Because we are afraid and ashamed of what we don't really know, we don't share it. And since we don't share it, we delay his coming. Well, what does this have to do with Easter, Pastor? Why is a resurrected Jesus so important? What's the big deal? Pastor, did you know, I, you probably didn't know this, Pastor. I'm, I'm going to help you out because I know you're on, you're on a journey. You're you learning stuff, Pastor. So let me help you out. You do know, Pastor, that Jesus is not the only person that, w- that was raised from the dead. I'm, I'm, I, didn't, I didn't mean to bust your bubble, Pastor. I know it's Easter and all y'all church people get dressed up and stuff. But uh, Lazarus? Lazarus was raised from the dead. Uh, Jairus' daughter raised from the dead. You do know that there were other people raised from the dead, Pastor. So what is the big deal about Jesus' resurrection? The difference is not, well, it's too far. Every one of them that was raised died again. That's one. I I, I could stop at that one. Lazarus died again. Jairus' daughter, she died again. I know that. But watch this now. Let, let, let's, let, let's give you that. Let's give you that, that, that. That resurrection may not have as much uh, energy to it and may not have as much sexiness to it. Resurrection. Okay, let, let me tell you this. Can I tell you the difference? Who went in the grave was different. Because every person that died and was resurrected, they died a sinner. And was resurrected a sinner. Jesus was the only person who ever lived or will ever live who was not born of a man and woman. Therefore, he went into the grave. A person who had the blood of God surging through his veins. (laughs) So you cannot equate the resurrection of other people with the resurrection of Christ, number one, because they died again, and number two, because the one who went in the grave was different. But, but it's the last scripture, and I'm done today. First Corinthians, just, just walk with me a little bit. First Corinthians, chapter 15. Bless your name, Jesus. Verse 17, why is Easter important, Pastor? What's the big deal? All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then those who also have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Let me walk through this and I'm sitting down. He says, if for some reason on this Easter Sunday in a pandemic you have access to the Internet, and you've become one of those, uh, uh, you know, people who are self-appointed, knowing everything as it relates to resurrection because you can point and click. And you've come up with a decision. I don't believe that Jesus has been raised. If that is your premise, the first thing he says is then you don't have a, a reason for having faith at all. Because the whole of Christianity hinges on Jesus being raised from 
the dead. Listen, I know Christmas gets more press. You know why? Because Christmas really is about you. That's why it gets more press. You get a gift. 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 And so we like Christmas for that reason. Easter's not the same. And so you all, society has kind of, I thank God that Jesus was born. But if he did not die, his birth would not have meant anything. Because I needed a sacrifice. We needed a lamb who would lay down his life. And had he not died and conquered it by raising, it would mean nothing. So Christmas minus Easter means nothing. And it's easy to celebrate his birth and see him in a manger because that doesn't reflect the one that will be coming in the clouds to judge us. We want a baby Jesus, but not a standing on Mount Zion getting ready to bring wrath Jesus. We select the God that we want to fit our comfort zones. So the Bible says if he's not raised, then number one, your faith is futile. And number two, you're still in your sins why are you still in your sins? Because you are, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot be delivered from sin unless there is something that happens to wash sin away or to make your, to make your case close in the eyes of God. The wages of sin is what? Death. The wages of sin is that the payment of sin is death. And all have sinned, therefore all of us are deserving of death. Not just physical death, but eternal death, which is separation from God for eternity. This is the gospel. Why would God then, pastor, separate us from him? I thought he loved us. I thought we're the, the, the pinnacle of his creation. And we are. And he does. But watch this now. God cannot deny his nature because of his love. God is holy. He cannot have anything connected with him that's not holy. God is pure. God cannot have sin around him. And therefore, you and I who have sinned, as much as he loves us, he cannot allow us in his presence because to allow us in his presence would be, he would have to deny who he is. And he cannot do that. But I'm so grateful that he had a plan, and the plan was Christ. Verse 19 of the same chapter says, If our only hope in this life is Christ, and we find out that he did not rise from the dead, of all the people in the world, we're most to be pitied. You may not have anything else but hope in Christ. You mean to have friendships, relationships, but you have hope in Christ. And the Bible says, if that hope in Christ, the resurrected one, the, the soon coming king, if that's not real, then he says, all of us Christians are most to be pitied. Verse 18, which I, I don't want to miss this one because this is an important one. It says, those of us who know people who have fallen asleep in Christ, and the word, and I love it because it's true, God says that they're asleep. That the people that we've lost, the people that have died, and the people that we no longer have with us, the Bible says that they are asleep, but one day when the trumpet of God will sound, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and that's a blessed hope for us. He says, but if then Christ be not raised, then they cannot be raised. And he says then, all those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. Every loved one we have then, if Jesus is not alive and he's not risen, 
All of our loved ones are lost. Verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. I love that. Look at this. He says, Jesus was the first of other ones who would not let death be the end. He was the first one who conquered death. And those who believed in him and on him will be second, third, fourth, and forever on fruit who will follow in his pattern. He's the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. And here it is. Here's the gospel. Here it is. Ready? Here it is. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. Have you heard this term before, you can't choose family? Oh, you, some of y'all be like, somebody say, yes, oh God. How many of y'all know you can't choose the family you were born into? You may not like them jokers. You may not be able to stand them boogers because you're born into it. When you became a person, <laughs> you can't escape your bloodline. <laughs> you and I were born into the lineage of the first man that walked the earth. His name was Adam. And when Adam disobeyed God, he was cut off from God and sin began to reign and rule in his heart. So from that day forward, watch this now, every person born, every human being born has been born with a condition. And that condition is called disobedience to God. The pastor standing before you, disobedient to God. All have sinned and come short of the glory that is perfection. The Bible says death, that means physical, spiritual death, came through a man. <laughs> but guess what? Resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. God, <laughs> because of what man did, he could not undo it as an entity other than the entity that first did it. Say it again. Because of the crime that was committed by man, God could not fix it without bringing another man into the scene to make right what man had made wrong. He could not be God and make it right. He had to be man and make it right. But not any kind of man, a God man. Fully God and fully man. So the Bible says that now, because the resurrection of the dead comes through a man, Jesus, we now have confidence that the same way that Jesus was raised from the dead on this day, we have confidence that every person who drops dead, who has confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they have the blessed assurance that the same way he got up, they also will get up. Because they indeed are part of him. You cannot say I'm in Christ and I'm a part of him and I'm a joint heir with him. As a matter of fact, he and I are one. And then he gets up and you not get up. What is Easter? Easter is a reminder <laughs> that the same way that Jesus got up, you and I can get up. That no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, no matter how difficult it is, the same resurrection power of Jesus is at work in you. Verse 22, and I'm done. For as in Adam all die, everybody that's human in sin. 
so in Christ all will be made alive. Easter is not just about alone, that moment in time where Jesus himself got up from the grave. What a historic moment. What a mighty moment in biblical history. But it also symbolizes something for every single person who would accept him as their Lord and Savior. It simply means this. Because he lives, you can face tomorrow. Because Jesus Christ got up from the most impossible situation, you've got impossible power uh, inside of you, able to change some things that others think are already dead. And so you all, on this resurrection 2021 in the midst of a pandemic, I want to pray a prayer for you that each and every one of you that are listening would just know this. If Jesus got up, what makes you think? He's not going to get up in you. If Jesus changed the situation, what makes you think he's not going to change your situation? And finally, if the gospel of Jesus Christ is the means by which we're saved, not just saved on our way to heaven, but literally saved from every aspect of the curse and every aspect of the dominion of the curse and every aspect of the rule of the satanic structure that happens to people who are far from God. If being saved means to be delivered from, then there's nothing more important for the church, for you and for me to do than share Jesus with the world. And so I challenge you, Citadel, I'm so excited the weather's getting warmer, and I'm so excited that we've got technology, we've got other means by which we can communicate with people. There's no excuse, right, that we don't do all that we can to reach as many people as we can with good news. What's the good news? Jesus is still on the throne, and he still lives. And so as I get ready to pray with you, maybe you're watching today and you're listening, and you've never accepted Jesus. You've never acknowledged him as the one that you would put your trust in. And you know what? None of us were born Christians. The Bible says that we had to be born anew, right? And so all you've got to do if you're watching, if you're listening, and you say, you know what, Pastor, I, I just don't remember a time that I really honestly believed in Jesus to the point that I kind of gave my heart over to him. And if you've never done that, I want today to be the day that you make that choice. If you have already chosen Christ, but for whatever the reason, you strayed away. Today is the day for you to come back home to him. I love Jesus. He's not going to judge you. Can, he, can I tell you something? He already knew you were going to mess up before you messed up. He loved you before you messed up, but he's been waiting for you to come back home. And so today, would you make that choice to come to him? And finally, some others of you, you love Jesus. You, you, you're committed to him. But you heard today in this Easter message a reminder of the importance of the gospel. The importance of giving to the people that I love the best gift that I can give them. One that will outlive me. <laughs> One that will outlive stuff. What am I giving to my family? What am I giving to the people that I care about the most? Am I giving them Jesus? Am I giving them an answer for their pain? Or am I busy with other stuff? And so wherever you may fall, let's pray and ask God to meet us wherever we are. Can we bow our heads together? God, we thank you for, again, the privilege that we have to remember your incredible victory over death, 
hell, and the grave. Thank you, Jesus. That you who did not ever sin, when you looked at the people you loved, you said, God, they're sinners, and you're going to end up not being with them. I've been with you forever for, for about three days, maybe. I'm just going to kind of not be with you. And I'll take on what they would take on for eternity so that they can take my place and be able to be the righteousness of God in me. Thank you, Jesus, that we're righteous not because we're good people innately, but because Jesus rose, he now has given us the power to have his presence in us. And we say thank you. One of the great things about having heard what you just had a chance to experience is that your faith has gotten stronger. There's no way that you could have heard this message and your faith has not been increased. But where do we go? How do we move from faith to faith? The Bible is very clear that if you have not really made the greatest decision of your life, which is to become a Christian, you've really missed the great joy of the journey. So wherever you are, if you would like to have a personal relationship with Christ, do what the scripture says. Call upon the name of the Lord and you can be saved. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I receive you now as my Savior and as my Lord. I'm trusting you and only you to direct my life in Jesus' name. Congratulations, wherever you are, that means that you have become a believer. For those of you that are already believers, your faith is now stronger. Don't be merely a hearer, but be a doer, and let's change the world. If you just prayed that prayer, you have an opportunity to reach out to us, and we would be honored to serve you and help you in your journey. Uh, Please contact us at area code 313-871-FORT, or please visit us on our website, Citadel of Faith. Dot O-R-G, that simply spells C-I-T-A-D-E-L of faith.org, all one word. We would love to hear your testimonies. We would love to hear your prayer requests. Know that you're in a partnership with us and you're not in the journey alone. Let's change the world together, one person at a time.